Hey, everybody, and welcome to High Spirits. I'm Jay Stagman, and with me, as always, is my best pal, Noelle Schmidt. That's right. You're listening to a show called High Spirits, <laughs> a show in which uh, two best friends um, sit around, getting drunk, and uh, chat about ghosts. Accurate. That's yes. what we do. Um, we here at the show are sponsored by uh, Booze Companies. Thank you so much. Thank you for almost sponsoring us. We're getting close. We're working on we it. We keep pretending. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, as uh, Gail Winfrey would say, um, if you dream it, you can be it. Yes. Thanks, Gail. Thanks, Gail. Gail! <laughs> um, Noah, what are you drinking? <laughs> Tonight, I'm drinking Hope's End Red Blend. Hope's what? Hope's End. It's Hope's the end? End of all hope. That's sad. It's very sad and ominous and delicioso um relevant oh uh-oh, uh-oh. I, I kid i kid that's a tease or is it just about it's a commentary about life at large yeah 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 well you know you know some days you might feel like we might be bombing other places <laughs> and all hope is lost just kidding that's my only social commentary of the day yeah right we're done good luck okay then when we five dollars at the end of it, if this is true. Hope's end. All hope is lost here. <laughs> you already red a, blend. You already owe me two dollars and fifty cents. I'm drinking uh, a little beer called um, Daisy Cutter from Half Acre Beer Company. Um, they are a lovely beer company right here in Chicago. You can find them on Balmoral. Um, you can also find them on Lincoln. They Lincoln are and, a uh, Chicago treasure. Lincoln and it's one block south of Montrose. Something like that. Yep. Berto? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Right where all that stuff is. North Center. Near yeah, near the jewel. Yeah, right across the street. The jewel. Right across the street from the jewel. Yeah. If yeah. you're not from Chicago, just so you know, uh, we have a tendency to use uh, jewels as landmarks. True. And they're not usually just referred to as jewel, comma, the grocery store. We just say the jewel. Yes. Yeah. It's a grocery store, in case you think that we're being weird. Mm. I just said Jewel come at the grocery store. You sure did. You sure did. Mm-hmm. I punctuated my very own sentence. Uh, Noelle, how are things with you? Things are fine, you okay. know. Okay. Um, I don't want to undersell or overplay my hand, so I'm just going to go with things are bouquet. How about yourself? Same. Okay. Same. But uh, let me say this. We'll we'll have a movie moment. Oh. Real quick. Um, I have been into documentaries. Oh, yeah. Specifically the HBO documentaries. So good, everybody. Um, Which one are you doing? Well, I, I watched the Andre the Giant one finally. Oh, my God. Tears. Really? So good. Huh. What a what a guy. You like the strangest things. What a guy. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really good. Didn't he drink like 130 beers in one sitting or some shit like that? So many. There was one point where they talked about, I think he went through like nine cases of wine. Wow. That's the dream, my friend. No, just kidding. That's too much. Just a bottle will do you. It's too much. Um, but a very tragic, just a very tragic story with him. Of the old, uh, giant? Yeah. Very sad. Um, I also watched the, um... Elvis Presley documentary. Oh. So, so good. So well done. Mm-hmm. You um, did a ghost episode on Elvis. We, I did. Um, no mention of ghosts, sadly. Okay. Uh, but that's okay. But uh, really, really well done. Lots of stuff about um, Priscilla? 
Priscilla uh, has a large part in it, so it's all um, voiceover. Oh, with the all the interviews are voiceover. Oh, and then it's just over footage. Okay. Of Elvis and, and various other people throughout the time. Um, I'm, I, I love Elvis Presley and grew up with like, he was a, he's a big part of like my family. Like everybody in my family is, are they're big Elvis people. Um, so it was, we're more of a, we're more of a, uh, Mozart family. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's that's just another telling difference between no, like, no but like my grandmother we all get along at the symphony yeah other like, than that our musical tastes are very disparate <laughs> true yes my grandma's a big Elvis person so um it it was kind of nice and nostalgic and um just I I don't know I I really 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 liked it and it was awesome does your shirt have a um cat in a police costume yeah and it says uh <laughs> who's laughing meow uh the answer to that is i am why are you wearing that <laughs> this is one of my many cat shirts um, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> where have i been why do you have many cat shirts well <laughs> are they for sleeping no i wear them out in public i actually wore this one what do the other ones say uh one is <laughs> this could go in public but i know one says uh it's a cat wearing sunglasses, and it says, check me out. No. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> Were these one. gifts? No, I've purchased these on my own. Um, oh, my God. I've got Someone a... needs to take the internet from you. <laughs> I've got one that's... Um, you, like, need a month off the internet. A cat wearing a Darth Vader mask, and it's lifting its paw up, and it's standing in front of a... Oh, I've seen this one. The goldfish. Yeah, the goldfish um, a bowl, and it's lifting the goldfish out of the water. Um, that's a fave, but I like, I, I haven't worn this in a while. I just pulled this out today. I was like, oh, this shirt. Um, I actually was wearing this at Legoland in Chicago uh-huh. or in Schaumburg suburb. Um, I was taking my daughter and we were standing in line for a ride and this man turned around and he was like, uh, excuse me. And he flashed his badge at me. Oh, he was a police officer. I'm glad you said badge. Yeah. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> he's like where'd you get your shirt <laughs> and I'm like uh I think Montcloth he's like you're under arrest for bad taste and he was like do they have men's sizes and I was like <laughs> nope but you could maybe just get like a bigger one I don't know like, that's it's, amazing it, he's like do you mind if I take a picture of it it's like you're like yeah dude. uh that's fine I guess fucking weirdo we're here with our kids it was yeah no I was like that's cool that's you know useful you flashing your badge at me anyway yeah so those are those are some um i'm a big fan of this shirt yeah no it's cool i was just i was just being a dick check me out though is i get that one as well brilliant check me out out no it's just check me out so there's a t at the end of meow Uh, I love all animals, just to be clear, but I think cats are hilarious. <laughs> okay. I don't want to be defined as a cat person, is what I'm saying. Okay. Sure. I like all animals. Yeah. The end. Uh-huh. You had that um, uh, anaconda for a while. 
It didn't want none. <laughs> that's right. You had to get rid of it because it ate your iguana. <laughs> that's right. It's the strangest thing. You were out of the reptile phase. Thank Christ. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Iguanas are pretty cool. I mean. I don't need to have don't, one. Yeah, you don't need to own one anymore. I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> one and done, everybody. One, one and done. done. I'm glad that we haven't done the birds. <laughs> I had a fish once and I overfed it. I had a betta fish. How do you overfeed a betta fish? Well, because you can only feed a betta fish, like, once a day, and you can only give them so many, flakes. like, no, they give, like, pebbles. They have a specific kind of food. Oh. And... I fed mine flakes. Uh, all right. My mom murdered it. I, so... She flushed it down the toilet. I kept forgetting if... Because I, I was in college at the time, and I couldn't remember if I had fed it or not, so I would get home, and I'd be like, I should probably feed you again. And then one morning it was nose down into the rocks. <laughs> Too fat to float. <laughs> Your beta fish just Elvis. By the way. Elvis right there in the I hole. hope that I never get classified as that as too fat to float. <laughs> That's actually the direct like opposite of like usually the cushier you are the more you float. Uh, that would be the worst cat. Too fat, fat to float. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh, man. Not what you want on your t-shirt. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I kind of do want that it's on like a t-shirt now. cat that says, with two a, flats of meow oh my float. God. Somebody make that t-shirt, please, with a really fat cat that says, too fat to float. <laughs> I will buy that t-shirt, and I will wear the fuck out of it. Sure. Okay. We can make it, too. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean if somebody cares enough, we're not. We're not crafty. We, we lack a lot of. I'm gonna have to my, follow through. I'm gonna ask my friend Sam to do it, who's a graphic artist. What about um Kate? Kate, you're probably listening. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Kate, thanks for listening. Hey Kate, Katie Bear, you're on this. Thank you. Thanks for making the shirt. <laughs> All right. What is um, your Oh, I have a thing today. Yeah. Uh so today I want to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart and falls mm-hmm. under the spirit realm. I had to, I had to actually question if maybe this was a thing, and then I was like, wait a minute, it totally is. Uh oh, vampires! <laughs> oh my god, I just almost knocked your cat off with my head. Speaking of cats, oh, she's right I, behind you. Are you okay? She's totally I'm fine. Sorry. She might bite your hand though. I didn't know she would be there. Mhm. Um, That's okay. her new spot. No, we. I bring my cat behind to the cat studio. Head. No, ghost just studio. Ghost studio. You bring your ghost to the cat studio? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they share. Um, All right. So vampires. Vampire. Um, correct. So, you guys, I hope buckle up because this is a long one. Okay. We're we're in this, so it's gonna we're gonna get really into it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I uh, haven't looked at my notes for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and when I opened them up, I was like, oh, 10 pages. Cool. So I'm we might skip. This might be a two-parter. We'll just see where this takes us. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Vampires. Those um, are the um, those are the things that um, live in caves? Correct. Incorrect. Maybe. Maybe? Why well, the maybe? Because there's a lot of things. Uh, yeah, Nosferatu lived in a cave. Correct. So here we go. The first appearance of the English word a vampire as vampire with a y yeah it's the only way i spell it <laughs> vampire with a y uh, magic with a k otherwise why the fuck would one bother i mean let's not waste anybody's time <laughs> i mean like 
Uh, first appearance was in 1734 in a travelogue titled Travels of Three English Gentlemen, published in the Harleian Miscellany? 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 Alright. It just means they're like a, a bound book of miscellaneous ah, thoughts. Thank you. Thank you. It's like a curio. Got it. Like a curiosity. I got it. Or, okay, understood. Um, at that point, it had already been discussed in French and German literature, but the this was the first time the word had appeared. Sweet. Um, however, in 1718, after Austria gained control of northern Serbia and uh, Oltenia, with the Treaty of Passarowitz, you I, I want everybody <laughs> to be prepared for a lot of mispronunciations and a lot of Wisconsin to come out. Um, officials noticed, so in 1718, Austria has taken over Serbia and Oltenia. Um, officials noted that the local practice of exhuming, there was a local practice of exhuming bodies and quote-unquote killing vampires. Mm. Um, these reports... Uh, were that were prepared between 1725 and 1732 um, were received widespread or received, I'm sorry, widespread publicity. (laughs) That's going to be a long one. Uh, (laughs) So the English term was derived uh, possibly from the French vampire or from the German vampire. Um... (laughs) I love it. Possibly uh, from the Serbian vampire as well in the 18th century. Now, uh, let's talk about the folk beliefs. So the notion of vampirism has existed for millennia, as we know. Um, The Mesopotamians, Hebrews, ancient Greeks, and Romans all had tales of demons and spirits, um, which are possibly considered to be precursors of the modern modern vampires. So some form of like... um, sucking somebody's energy or mm. taking their their livelihoods, whether it be energy or blood. Okay. Some type of livelihood. Um, so despite the occurrence of vampire-like creatures in these ancient c- civilizations, the folklore for the entity we know today um, originates almost exclusively... In 2012, uh, Stephanie Myers? How dare you? Um, <laughs> is that the wrong year? That is the wrong year. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it, it originates almost exclusively from early 18th century southeastern Europe. Okay. Um, when verbal traditions of many ethnic groups in the region were recorded and published. In most cases, vampires are revenants of evil beings, suicide victims, or witches. Ooh. Um, but they can also be created by a malevolent spirit possessing a corpse or being bitten by a vampire. Mm. So... Beliefs in such legends became so pervasive that in some areas it caused mass hysteria and even public executions of people who were believed to be vampires. Wow. So this that shocks me. It shocks me that humans would reach an irrational conclusion and as a team do something awful. I mean, we've never talked about this before. (laughs) It's just like, this is a first. Yeah. Wow. Who knew really is that the humans were so awful to each other. This is an expose. But in their defense, these people could have been vampires. Likely were vampires. <laughs> right. 
We'll never know because they took care of them. We'll never know. Um, <laughs> now, here, uh, originally, um, so we have an idea of what a modern-day vampire looks like. However, sexy, sexy slender. Um, nice cheekbones. P- nice, really nice cheekbones. Um, pale. Mm-hmm. Um, charming. All of these things. Uh-huh. Um, not true. Not true in the 18th century. Vampires were usually reported as bloated in appearance and ruddy, purplish, or dark in color. So they were like corpsey? Uh-huh. Character Characteristics were often attributed to uh, the recent drinking of blood. Oh. Blood was often seen seeping from the mouth and nose when one was seen in its shroud or coffin and its left eye was often open. Oh. Which I think is really interesting. And I couldn't find anything about why the left eye. Huh. Well, I don't know. If that's like a decomposition <clears throat> thing. No, I think um, it's just a holdover from the um, sinister, uh, like sinister side of um, the left-hand side. Ah, okay. Um, in Latin, um, the word for left is sinestra, mm-hmm. and which is sinister. the root of sinister. Right. And so if someone were left-handed, they were to to be considered untrustworthy. Isn't Sinestra also like some type of sleep aid now? Like a sleep drug? <laughs> if you're using Sinestra, don't drink Daisy Cutter from Half Acre Brew Company. <laughs> but seriously, isn't that, I think that's the name of, I mean, Celestra, Sinestra? We'll look that up. If you're having a hard time sleeping, try Sinestra, <laughs> Sinestra combined with Ambien. Which really just forces you to sleep on your left side and commit murder in your right. sleep. Sure. Um, okay. But also, you sleep so well. <laughs> Just a side You don't remember a thing. Yeah, it's fine. Sinestra may cause murder. (laughs) Or (laughs) night eating. (laughs) I'm laughing before I get it out. Night eating. Well, night eating. (laughs) That's my favorite uh, uh, symptom when I see it. Night eating. (laughs) I definitely have that problem. Do you have night eating? No. I mean, after 8 p.m., sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It depends on what else I'm doing. Yeah. Um... (laughs) suddenly I get hungry Um, alright blood was often wait I said that no so um, often uh, the dead would be clad in in a linen shroud and they were buried in that and then their teeth hair and nails may have grown somewhat which is a common thing with decomposition and also those things don't stop growing after you die um, as we now know uh, but the idea of fangs, not a thing oh. at this time. Um, although vampires were generally described as undead, some folk tales spoke of them as living beings. Huh. Now, there, of course, every culture has their own form of a vampire. It's kind of almost like, you know, a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Sure. So in Slavic and Chinese traditions, any corpse that was jumped over by an animal, particularly a dog or a cat, <laughs> was feared to become one of the undead. Oh, Lord. <laughs> a body that... <laughs> like, here's the thing. That had to have happened, therefore justifying that fear. Exactly. You guys put your corpses away. I mean, don't leave your corpses out. I mean, honestly, you're lucky that all that dog did was jump over it because dogs are notorious corpse eaters. Right. But this is, this is. And you know your cat will eat eat to death if you died in here tomorrow. But we recently talked about this where like, you know, previously or like in the past, 
people would have wakes in their home yeah. where they would put the dead out for days sometimes. Yeah, disgusting. And so if you have animals in your home. They wouldn't have back then, though. Well, if they have, but if they're on a farm and they have windows open and a cat comes in. It's a, it's a leap. That's a stretch. But well, um, that's a Sally house. Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Or not. I'm just saying, like, I that. Um, he killed that cat. I know he did. Oh, my God. That, um, Go back to the <clears throat> Sally house episode. The uh, animals inside the house phenomenon was fairly limited at that time. All right. I mean, now we do it, but. I'm just saying. It could happen. Okay. It could happen. Sure. Uh, also, a body with a wound that had not been treated with boiling water was also at risk. Ah, the healing powers of boiling water. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about boiling water a lot. Oh, who knew? Yeah. Um, in Russia, throw a little salt in it. Makes the pasta better. There you go. Makes the water boil faster. Oh, does it? Yeah. Huh. The salt, yeah, accelerates the huh. boil. Uh, in Russian folklore, vampires were said to have once been witches or people who had rebelled against the Russian Orthodox Church while they were alive. Ugh, how's that for propaganda? Yep. Boo. Um, all right, so here are some cultural practices of prevention from this time. Uh, burying a corpse upside down was widespread. Upside down, you mean like face forward? Or face, on their face? Face, on their face. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like... So you can't know that like, like head, hang them head, like head first. first. No, face. <laughs> face down. <laughs> I actually, when I was reading through this, I was like, wait, that doesn't, that's weird. It's harder to crawl out that way. Yeah, it's a lot harder. When you're head down. To go all the way, like, underneath the core of the like, earth. You gotta, like, turn around. You gotta turn around. <laughs> you can't just back You up. gotta, like, burrow, burrow through, like, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> um, anyway... <laughs> Uh, placing, placing earthly objects such as scythes or sickles near the grave to satisfy any demons entering the body or to appease the dead so that it would not wish to arise from its coffin. Yeah. It's like, oh, dude, there's a sickle. That means I'll have to get back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Being a peasant sucks. I hate this. I'm just going to stay in the ground. So much wheat to scythe. Um... (laughs) Uh, so this method actually is resemblant of the ancient Greek practice of placing an obelisk in the corpse's mouth to pay the toll to cross the river Styx in the underworld. Um, it has been argued that instead the coin was intended to ward off any evil spirits from entering the body. And this may have in- influenced the later vampire folklore. So again, it all comes back to Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Uh, um, okay. In Europe, some more uh, prevention. Severing tendons at the knees so they couldn't walk. Ugh. This is post-mortem. Great. Um, That's a nice piece of clarification. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it's it's still morbid, but I don't know. It kind of helps me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, placing poppy seeds, millet, or sand on the ground at the gravesite of a presumed vampire. This was intended to keep the vampire occupied at night by counting fallen grains Indicating an association of vampires with uh, arithmomania, which is interesting to me. (laughs) Math madness? (laughs) Math madness. By the way, like, (laughs) how long would it take to count poppy seeds? (laughs) I mean, they're very small. I mean, you just do it once and then you're like, let me double check. (laughs) Moo ha ha ha. (laughs) You got to section them off in like groups of 25. Oh, yeah. I would do 10. I would always do base zero. 
Yeah. Because 25, you have to think of that five. I know. But it's still like groups of 10. There's just so many groups then. What if they like get too close together and you're like, is this 10 or 20? Now you have erythromania. <laughs> I'm already take, losing my mind. You'll have to take erythromycin to solve it. Oh my God. All right. Just a strand of penicillin for those paying attention at home. <laughs> See your pharmacist. Get Don't some, take that with Sinestra. With Sinestra. Maybe it's Lunestra. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. Nope. Sinestra. Forever and always. <laughs> okay. In China, belief that if a vampire-like being came across a sack of rice, it would have to count every grain. Same thing. Wow. Um, this is actually a theme encountered in myths from the Indian subcontinent as well as in South American tales of witches and other sorts of evil or mischievous spirits or beings. So this is a, a common thread, which is really interesting to me. Um, in Albanian folk folklore, the Dampir is the hybrid child. Nothing I'm about to say is going to make any sense, but I wanted to say this. Okay. Uh, the Dampir is the hybrid child of the Karkonksohol... <laughs> Carcanxahol, which is a werewolf-like creature with an iron male shirt, or the Lugat, a water-dwelling ghost or monster. Okay. So I think we're all clear here. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, water-dwelling ghost. <laughs> I like that. It reminds me of, uh, what's his face from um, Hellboy? The David Hyde Pierce voice guy, oh. played by Doug Jones, uh, who was in, uh, who actually played a water dwelling creature in um, The Shape of Water. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I didn't see it. Full circle. Full circle. Okay. Um, here is how they would identify vampires during this time. Um, <laughs> the main. The main thing, the big one, is leading a virgin boy through a graveyard or church grounds on a virgin stallion. <laughs> now, generally, How can you be a stallion and be a virgin? Generally. That's a grown horse. They'll know. Male horse. They'll know. How would they know? Because they hadn't bred, bred the horse with a, a lady horse. Okay. They, I mean. Good enough. Yeah, I guess. I'm just saying. Um, now, know. generally, the horse needed to be black. But in Albania, it should be white. Okay. Now, the horse would supposedly balk at the grave in question. And that's how they knew. You had to have a male virgin and a male virgin horse. That was black. That was black. Except in Albania, where it except should be white. white. Yes. They would stop at a grave, and that's where the vampire lived? And the horse would balk. So it would, like, <laughs> kind of, like, back <laughs> away or do, like, the horse yeah, dancing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do the Lipizzaner. Is that what it's called? What you're doing? Um, I can't remember the name of the horse dancing, but the Lipizzaners are like horse dancers. That's like a that's like a horse dancing group. Oh, I didn't know. It's I a tour. Oh, who knew? Yeah, I, I do. You did. Yeah, you I just, know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's me. Um, also, <clears throat> holes appearing in the earth over a grave were taken as a sign of vampirism. So. Um, if the horse was in the area and like maybe like holes, they tripped, fell, and they had to be shot. Yes, <laughs> that means there's a vampire living there. Um, 
Uh, corpses thought to be vampires. You're smiling at me as if that was really distasteful. <laughs> if that's the case for the listening audience, I apologize. That might have been distasteful. No, I mean, I, I, I don't care for horse abuse. No, nobody does. It, we, we were in San Antonio, uh, recently and... You and I were? No. I was, I was there with my, for, I was there for work and I, I brought my family with me. Huh. And, uh, um, they had all those, um horse what are they the drawn the horse-drawn carriages uh, i think they're just called that yeah they had all of those out for all the tourists oh god and my daughter was like oh like so excited and just kept like pointing and like look at Did that one take it's one? so beautiful and i was like no because i'm a jerk and i was like we will not be taking those because those horses are underfed and not taken care of yeah and, and also the poo right in a basket in front of you and it'll smell yeah the whole time. i was like they're not, yeah, and I, I gave her, like, the whole spiel about it, and she just kind of, like, stared at me with really big eyes and was like, but did you see how pretty the carriage was? And I was like, you heard nothing I said. You'll learn. Also, I'm here to ruin all fun for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here to show you some truth. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I have a weird relationship with horses. I They kind of freak me out a little bit because they're so big, and I feel like they could hurt me very easily, so I just stay away. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I had a friend in high school who had horses and I like was terrified of them. Huh. That seems very vulnerable of you to admit. So thanks. Yeah. Incidentally, one of her Doberman pinchers was the one that got me in the end. Always. Always. He snapped, snapped my, my bottom, ripped my jeans. (laughs) Snapped my bottom, ripped my jeans. That sounds like a Bon Jovi lyric. (laughs) (laughs) I may have stole it from them. (laughs) Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. John Van Giovanni. I guess. Um, okay. Corpses thought to be vampires were generally described as having a healthier appearance than expected plump and showing little or no signs of decomposition. Um, in some cases, suspect when suspected graves were open, villagers even described the corpse as having a fresh fresh blood from a victim all over his face, which is what I said earlier. Um, Evidence that a vampire was active in a given locality included death of cattle, sheep, relatives, or neighbors. Oh my God. They got sheep? People were dying all around. Clearly a vampire. Sheep. Couldn't have been the plague. No. Or an illness. No. Um, folkloric vampires could also make their presence felt by engaging in minor poltergeist like activity, such as hurling stones on roofs or moving household objects and pressing on people in their sleep. Oh, also known as sleep paralysis, sleep paralysis. That's just a combo platter, huh? Just getting all the things in there. Uh, incidentally, I recently watched an episode of the medium and the mook uh-huh. and otherwise known as the dead files. Uh-huh. Um, and starring the medium and the mook uh-huh. and the mook, Steve DeShava, uh, actually, um, he's not a mook. He is a former, uh, New York city police detective and he is a fine individual. Um, but he was interviewing, uh, this woman and she was describing her experience and he had called her out and was like, because a lot of times, they say things and it's like, that sounds an awful lot like sleep paralysis and they don't really say anything. And in this episode he went, uh, that sounds a lot of awful lot like uh sleep paralysis. Do you think that's what it is? And this guy was like, Nope. And that was the end of it. 
But I appreciated him calling it out. Uh-huh. Because this man was clearly suffering from sleep paralysis. Ah. Um, see our episode early on about sleep paralysis. <laughs> Here are ways that people chose to protect themselves from vampires in the 18th century. Um, they used uh, such things called... Hmm. Apotropakes. Oh, yeah. Am I, I saying one. that correctly? I don't know. I don't know. What what those are, are items able to ward off um, any type of, like, negative energy. So, such things are garlic, as we know. Like, a lot of these things we already know. But in case you're not sure and you need prevention, here you go. Number one, garlic. Um, which everyone should have in their kitchen because it is a wonderful, delicious food that you should add to all food. <laughs> yes. A branch of wild rose and hawthorn plant are said to harm vampires. I didn't know that. I uh, I knew about the rose. I didn't know about the hawthorn. Um, in Europe, sprinkling, sprinkling mustard seeds on the roof of a house was said to keep them away. Um, sacred items such as a crucifix, rosary, or holy water. Um, it's said that vampires are unable to walk on consecrated ground, such as, um, that of a church or temples, or, I didn't know this, cross running water. Oh, I didn't know that. Although I call bullshit on, um, the consecrated ground part, because all graveyards are consecrated. Interesting. Are they all, though? What about, like... Well, it seemed to be in the area, in the era that you were talking about, in the 1700s, and yeah. uh, any part of Europe, they would be... Touche. Church adjacent. Touche. All right. Good call. Yeah. All right. Mirrors. Now, mirrors are... Um, something you love. Something I love. For, for somebody who's so afraid of mirrors, I have many of them. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm a little weird with mirrors because I think they're cool, but I'm terrified of them. Well, they cross you over to the fairyland. Yes. Um, See our upcoming episode about fairies. <laughs> fairies. Uh so mirrors have been used to ward off vampires when placed facing outward on a door. Mm. So outside of your home or outside of your bedroom. In some cultures, uh, vampires do not have a reflection and sometimes do not cast a shadow, um, possibly because uh, of the, the manifestation of the vampire's lack of soul. But this mirror thing, the mirror, uh, theory is not universal um in in greek um they were capable of uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher this again re recall re, oh, fuck <laughs> nope not doing it okay the greek the grief mythos is that they were capable of both reflection and shadow however um Obviously, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is, like, kind of what, like, in the Western world we base a lot of the vampire uh, myth on, is that Dracula and other vampires did not have a reflection. Um, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Because I I like the idea of them being soulless and uh, not being capable of it. Um, That's me. Some traditions also uh, state that a vampire cannot enter a house unless invited by the owner. Mm-hmm. However, after the first invitation, they're in. You can revoke it, though, according to Lost Boys. And according to Buffy. Oh. Which was probably stolen from Lost Boys. Don't worry. We'll talk about both of those later. Oh, okay. 
Um, though folkloric vampires were believed to be more active at night, they were not generally considered to be vulnerable in, to the sunlight. Hmm. So that is another common misconception and one that also kind of hurts my heart a little bit because I love the modern day vampire night only night only thing. I don't want to talk about vampire sparkling. I don't want to talk about <laughs> vampire teens going to school. Like it, why bother? Why would you? It's not. Why would you go to school? I guess to pick up chicks. I hate it. They don't sparkle. God damn it. They can't be in the sun at the end. Anyway. <clears throat> to pick up virgin chicks? Isn't that what that series was about? I don't know. I left <laughs> I, I left halfway through the first one and never watched anymore. Never returned. Okay. Now, if you come across a vampire and you need to learn how to destroy them, here are some helpful tips for you. Staking. Okay is the most common uh, common method. Uh, it's particularly common in Slavic cultures. Um, so aspen, the wood aspen, uh, was used for stakes, as it was believed that Christ's cross was made from aspen. Oh, uh, right there in uh, Jerusalem? That's correct. <laughs> right there in Jerusalem. Known for its aspen. Aspen. I don't know what aspen is, other than that it's... I was told it was a wood. Yeah. Um, I mean, just it just it's just funny to me that like I mean I don't know I'm neither here nor there with it I don't I haven't done the research but that the um, the wood of the desert would be the same as the wood of the Slavic uh, mountainy region. I, yeah, I mean, makes total sense. <laughs> it makes sense to me. That I mean, yeah, they have the same uh, climate. Listen, by which I mean they don't share any climate. That whatsoever. white guy Jesus, yes, who grew up in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Back then it was Czechoslovakia. It was Czech- now it's the Czech Republic. Everyone knows that, right? Duh. <laughs> Definitely died on Aspen. Died on Aspen. Blonde hair. Not in Aspen. Or maybe it was Aspen. <laughs> he died in Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Aspen branches on the gra- <laughs> on the graves of purported vampires were also believed to prevent their risings at night. Um, vampires were uh, most often staked through the heart. The the, the, the mouth was um, actually targeted in Russia and northern Germany and the stomach in northeastern Serbia. So basically, the something about the wood hitting their body, that's what did it. Hmm. Um, piercing of the... So though this is it. Piercing of the skin of the chest was a way of deflating the bloated vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there was other, there are other things such as an anti-vampire burial, which is burying sharp ob- objects, um, such as sickles with the corpse so that they may penetrate the skin of the body. If it, bloat sufficiently while transforming into the revenant. Oh, okay. Um, which is interesting. Uh, decapitation was the preferred method in German and Western Slavic areas. And then they would bury the head between the feet behind the buttocks or away from the body. Um, this act was seen as a way of hastening the departure of the soul. Um, which I guess in some cultures was said to linger in the corpse. Huh. Um, 
the the vampires. No, but they, can I ask this? Yeah. I mean, you may not know. Like, was this because they suspected that a, a person would become a vampire, or they did this on the regular? They did this. This was all proactive. Okay. So if they, they didn't do it to like just anyone though. No, no, no. This is only if they suspected that oh. this person was a vampire. Because I was going to say that really goes against the um, desecrating of bodies. Yeah. Like yeah. When, when Jesus comes, you're going to want your body so you can go up to heaven and dance around. Right, right, right. Because like having being decapitated means basically like you don't have a chance so at resurrection I yourself. Th- I think. Salvation. Yeah. I think based on this, their, their thought was that. This person's plum evil and they're probably a vampire. They they suspected that they were a vampire, but I think that they were more about saving their soul. Oh, so I think okay. the thought was that if they saved their soul, they still had an opportunity to rise ascend. up and ascend. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think. But just no dancing on the final day. No dancing with Jesus. Okay. That sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the vampire's head, body, or clothes could also be spiked and pinned to the earth to prevent rising. Um, uh, Romani people, people from uh, Romani? Gypsies. Yeah. Romani people are gypsies. Romanians? Nope. Nope. Romani okay. just is the oh, oh. word for gypsies. Got it. We don't say gypsies anymore. I know. You say Romani. Rom- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, Romani people drove steel or iron needles into a corpse's heart and placed bits of steel in the mouth, over the eyes, ears, and between the fingers at the time of burial. Uh, they also placed a hawthorn in the corpse's sock or drove a hawthorn stake through the legs. Huh. Yeah, it's intense. Um, in 16th century, uh, in a 16th century burial near Venice, a brick forced into the mouth of a female corpse. Ah. We, know, we all know, we saw this. In 2006, they unearthed uh, this corpse. Um, but they believe, the archaeologists believe that that was part of a vampire slaying. Do you remember that? Uh-uh. Um, I think I saw it like National Geographic. They, uh, we'll post a photo of it because it's easy to find online. Um yeah, they, they brought up the corpse, and she has a brick in her mouth. Yikes, man. So the the thought of putting the brick there is that they, because of the fangs, oh. they can't bite down. Oh. Yeah. Um, in Bulgaria, over 100 skeletons with metal objects such as plow bits embedded in their torso have been discovered. Yikes. I mean, this is like, this was an epidemic for years. Sure. Um, pouring boiling water over the grave or complete incineration of the body is also a way to, pre, uh, to destroy the vampire. Wow. Um, in the Balkans, a vampire could have, uh, been killed by being shot or drowned by repeating the funeral service by sprinkling holy water on the body or by exorcism. This is post-mortem again. Yeah. Oh my God. Hopefully. Um, in Romania, garlic could be placed in their mouth. Uh, which is another thing that we saw uh, in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, they did that with Lucy. They put, well, first when they thought when she was transforming, they dressed her basically in garlic. They made her wear garlic. And then when she had uh, died and then become a vampire, they staked her, they cut, they beheaded her and they put garlic in her mouth. Huh. Um, How'd it go? 
she didn't come back. I read Bram Stoker's Dracula every year for Halloween. It's my, my annual tradition. Um, uh, for, um, now, as recently as the 19th century, the precaution of shooting a bullet through the coffin has been taken in certain parts of the world. Um, in other, uh, for resistant cases, the body has been dismembered and pieces burned mixed with water and administered to family members as a cure, which also happened as late as the 19th century, which we're going to talk about in a little bit in the case of Mercy Brown in Rhode Island. Don't eat your dead. It's awful. What they did, what they did to this family. No. Um, one nicer thing in the Saxon regions of Germany, a lemon was placed in the mouth of suspected vampires. Oh, a lemon. A lemon. So sour. <laughs> so sour. That'll stop them. Um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go backwards and talk about some ancient beliefs. Okay. Um, now, the Persians were one of the first civilizations to have tales of blood drinking demons, creatures that attempted to drink blood from men. Um were depicted on um, uh, some pottery shards that have been excavated that we found. So, again, like, this has been going on for a very long time. Um, But there might be something to that, too, where it might be, like, iron deficiencies or things like that, Mm -hmm. where um, there might be some cannibalism or, you know, like, you're desperate, like, if if your people were living in times of drought or famine or Mm -hmm. whatever desperate times, desperate measures kind of thing. So I'm making assumptions right now, but the idea of these type of beings or creatures have been around for a really long time in ancient Babylonia and Assyria. uh, They had tales of the mythical uh, Lilitu, who is synonymous and uh, gave rise to Lilith and her daughters, the Lilu from Hebrew demonology. Uh, Lilitu was considered to be a demon and was often depicted as subsisting on the blood of babies and estuaries who are female shape-changing blood-drinking demons mm. who were said to roam the night among the population seeking victims. Huh. Um, obviously, in Greco-Roman mythology, uh, there were um, creatures called the Empusai, the Lamia, and the Strigis. The Lamia. The um, Empusa was the daughter of the goddess Hecate, um, and was described as a demonic, bronze-footed creature. She feasted on blood by transforming into a young woman and seducing men as they slept before drinking their blood. So she was a succubus. Nice. Uh, the Lamia preyed on young children and in their beds at night, sucking their blood, as did the Jellodes or Jello? Yellow? So, I mean, these are all story. These are all, like, um, scare tactics, too. Like, these are... Sure. These are fables that are told to, like, you know, scare your kids into behaving. Or, you know, if you don't yeah. go to bed, if you don't go to bed at night, the Lamia is going to come Yeah, certainly you. the Lamia, yeah. Um, it's like a boogeyman. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with vampires that people often don't, like, they don't connect that the vampire is the boogeyman. Yeah. Kind of thing. Well, Same. there's always that, like, <clears throat> vampiric sort of, like, um, anything that I've ever read about vampires sort of fixates on its um, eroticism Mm -hmm. and sort of its own victim, a little bit kind of blame the victim. Like uh, most victims of vampires 
are seduced, right, rather than necessarily attacked. And I don't know if that's the that's the case in some of these bloated, nasty corpses that you're talking about, but like, you know, the the modern lore is they're sexy and there's there's some sex appeal to right. like living forever and um you know, like with well, our interview it, with a vampire and our um, true blood. I mean, most vampires aren't like yeah. ugly, unattractive. No, they're very attractive, <clears throat> and that's that's part of the thing too about being becoming a vampire is that you Beautiful get this youth. youth back, and you're yeah. yeah, you you now are living this eternal life as this beautiful God creature. Yes, and so that's the appeal of it is that. Everything. That's what I mean right to say. That there's, yeah. there's that, um, unlike other sort of um, creature transformation, it seems as though this is the type of creature wherein a victim, and we, we see this often, a victim can say, um, rather than die, yes, me too. I would like to live as you are because I can see all the advantages. Right. But there's that whole seduction thing too. And there's the whole, um, the... The thing, the thing with um, the True Bloods and the Bram Stoker's Dracula and the Joss Whedon universe of, of vampires as well is that there's a game about it too, about seducing the victim in. It's not just all for the kill. It's drawing them in and, and they play with them. They're like, you know, they're a predator, right? basically. Um, where, Big cats. Right. Where in this case, yeah, exactly. In this case or these cases in the 18th century and earlier on, it was probably more that these folks were being um, killed off by some type of illness or plague. And they were using a dead person who was uh, decom- de- or decomposing uh, at a slower rate as sure. an excuse or because maybe they died of mysterious, instant, you know, some, there was something weird about them. Therefore they must be vampire. So, <laughs> I am the NPR. Speaking of that, let's talk about a couple of early cases of uh, accused vampires. So the panic um, began in, so there's, <laughs> there's this thing called the 18th century vampire con- controversy. Oh. Um, and I like any sentence that starts with the panic began. Right. So there was a frenzy of vampire sightings in Eastern Europe in the 18th century. There were frequent stakings um, and grave diggings to identify and kill potential revenants. Government officials engaged in, um, in the huntings and the stakings and belief in vampires increased dramatically resulting in mass hysteria throughout most of Europe. So it was called again, the 18th century vampire conspiracy. Why was there a conspiracy? Well, it be- the panic began oh. with the outbreak of alleged vampire attacks in East Prussia in 1721 and in the Habsburg monarchy from 1725 to 1734. Hmm. Um, there were two famous cases specifically um, that were officially recorded. The first was um, of Petar Blagojevich. No. Correct. <laughs> Here's what we know about the Blagojeviches. They're like... They take everything from you. Yeah, they jump on the phone and they say, this suit's worth fucking millions. They have really bad hair. Is it and they want to take... Did he say fucking millions? Fucking priceless. It's, I think he said priceless. This shit's priceless. And Patty's in the background screaming at no, him. No! No, she was like egging him on. Oh, was she? Really? Yeah. Oh. 
Patty. Patty. I mean, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, that's okay. Um, when Barack Obama was elected president of the United States, he left a Senate seat open, and our then-governor, one of the many governors, the four in a row that went to prison, um, tried to sell that Senate seat to the highest bidder. So, ten years ago, wow, ten years ago. Ten years ago, yeah. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. That's great. When um, Sorry, you could buy a loaf of bread for 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> you could go to a school online and still get a good job. Just to be clear, that was Rob Blagojevich, not Rod, oh, his brother. Right. Rob and Rod. Rob. Rod. <laughs> I think one of the guys he tries to, tried to sell it to is uh, Jesse Jackson Jr., Yeah, who is also now in prison. Pritzker was in on the action, too, allegedly. Yep. There were several, several guys. Allegedly. I don't know. JB is running for election here, so we'll see if we can, if we're allowed to say that. Hi, JB. Hi, JB. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Um, Certainly runs a lot of ads on my Facebook. So many ads. So many of the ads. I don't even know how I got on your mailing list, but I'm on it. Man. You sent so many emails and ads. Anyway, Pitar Blagojevich (laughs) from Serbia was reported to have died at the age of 62, but allegedly returned after his death, asking his son for food. When his son refused, he was found dead the following day. Blagojevich supposedly returned and attacked some neighbors who died from loss of blood. Uh, The other reported incident is uh, Milos Sekar, an ex-soldier turned farmer who allegedly was attacked by a vampire years before, and he died while haying. Hey, hey, there's a verb you don't hear very often, <laughs> which actually was him sitting <laughs> on his porch and just yelling. Hey, at you guys, want to hang out? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. hey, who's up for Bailey? Hey, <laughs> it's a double hey. I love it. After his death, people began to die in the surrounding area, and it was widely believed that Milos had returned to prey on his neighbors. Ugh, Milos, Milos, what a dick. Uh, there is another famous Serbian vampire legend um, that recounts the story of a certain woman by the name of Sava Savanovic, oh. who lives in a watermelon and kills and drinks blood. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. She lives aware? She lives in a watermill. Oh, okay. I thought you said watermelon. <laughs> That's so um, weird. <laughs> let's just say she does. Yeah. She lives in a watermelon and kills and drinks blood from the Millers. <laughs> um, this character was actually uh, later used in a story written by Serbian writer Milovan Glisic in the Yugoslav 1973 horror film Liptirka, inspired by the story. Have you seen it? I haven't, but I'm going to find it. Because oh. I want to know it. Um. Let's take a tour around the world, shall we? And talk about vampires around the world. I would love to. Can we also like stop in every once in a while and talk about waterfalls? <laughs> um, I mean, like if we <laughs> if we happen like, to be in not to go chasing them. Well, I was gonna say if we're in Venezuela, we should probably talk about Angel Falls. I don't think we're going to Venezuela. <laughs> All right. But we can. I'm just saying for every vampire story, we should probably say something nice about their uh, geography. Chasing waterfalls. Well, I'm about to talk about Ashanti. Oh. The Ashanti people. Oh. Ashanti the rapper? Not the Ashanti the rapper, singer, girl. (laughs) Who actually... uh, Are you slash, like, model actress slash rapper girl? 
Ashanti also was um, in an episode of season seven of Buffy. Look at how what I did there. You danced. I did it. I brought... Oh, full circle. Dude. Yeah. Vampire yeah. stuff. Okay. In Africa. West <laughs> Africa, the Ashanti people tell of the iron-toothed and tree-dwelling Asan Bosan. Um, the Ewe people of the Adzi um, can take the form of a firefly and hunts children. Cool. Uh, the Eastern Cape region has the Impun- Impundulu which can take the form of a large taloned bird and can summon thunder and lightning. No. That's cool. And the Batsilio people of Madagascar tell of the Ramanga, an outlaw or living vampire who drinks the blood and eats the nail clippings of nobles. Nasty. That's real gross. It is gross. Don't do that. In the Americas. (laughs) The where's? The Americas. North and South? North and South. Okay. The, Lu- the Lugaroo is an example, which is also a really fun dance. <laughs> yes, it's one of my faves. The Lugaroo is an example of um, the vampire... B- I'm not going to read it this way. It's a mixture of French um, and African voodoo. Ooh, all right. So um, it possibly comes from the French Lugaroo, meaning werewolf, Um. And the stories of the Lugaru are widespread through the Caribbean and in Louisiana. Cool. Um, there are, the Lugaru is believed to be a female creature as well. There are similar female monsters in Trinidad um, and in Colombia. Uh, in Chile, they have the Machuche. Wait, I'm sorry. The Mapuche of southern Chile, which is a group of people, they have the blood-sucking snake known as the Puchin. Now, in South America, when you hang aloe vera backwards behind or near a door, which is kind of a similar concept concept to the mirror, Uh um, that's thought to ward off vampiric beings. Um, Aztec mythology described tales of the... uh, Sihuatateo, uh, which is skeletal face spirits of those who died in childbirth, who stole children and entered into sexual liaisons with the living, driving them mad. Oh, lordy. So, again, like, these aren't traditional, like, what we know of traditional vampires who are, like, blood suckers. These are, like, energy suckers as well. So the idea of vampire is taking your life and, like, sucking your life away in some way. Just if people are like, well, that's not a vampire. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, now, I, I mentioned uh, Mercy Brown before. During the late 18th and 19th centuries, the belief of vampires was widespread in New England. Those New Englanders just got sucked into all of the We're, propaganda. Yeah, of course. Wherein there is religious fervor, there is always some sort of counterintuitive right. demon slash monster just trying to get at your soul. So this does not surprise me in the least. Yeah. So, I mean, particularly in Rhode Island and in Connecticut. <laughs> yes, of course. So um, there's many documented cases of families disinterring loved ones and removing their hearts in the belief that deceased, uh, the deceased was a vampire who was responsible for sickness and death in the family. Um, they never used the term vampire, but we all know what it was. 
<laughs> we see you. Now, tuberculosis was really widespread at the time and was believed uh, to be caused by nightly visitations on the part of a dead mem family member who had died of consumption themselves, which is also, which is what they called tuberculosis at the time. So the most famous case was that of Mercy Brown, who died in Exeter, Rhode Island in 1892. She was only um, 19 years old. Uh, her father was convinced by the family physician that she had um, some type of evil spirit in her. Now, her mother and um, I think her sister had also died of consumption. It's very, it's communicable. I mean, yeah. And then her brother, her brother was sick at the time, and her brother was like beloved by the whole family. He was the last one, and so they believe. But it makes sense too because you cough up blood, and blood will get by your lips. Yep. So they believe that the only thing that could save him was this ritual of Ugh. taking out the heart, um, burning it, and then turning it into ash and making him drink it, Ugh. which is exactly what they did to poor Mercy Brown post-mortem. Post um, they made her brother drink this. Uh, he died months later. I'm sure. Um, there is, if you're not watching lore on Amazon prime, you should be, um, lore is also, it's based on a, a, a podcast called lore, which tells stories like this. Um, and then the, the series on Amazon, they're, they're acting them out. They're portraying it. And the, the guy who does the series is, is telling the story. So there's an excellent one about Mercy Brown. So check it out. Okay. Oh, well, I saw one with you that I liked. You did. It's, re it's really well done. Um, it's really interesting. It's a lot of fun. I mean, as fun as this kind of stuff. <laughs> Death, mayhem, and terror. Yeah. Sorry. Fun for us. That's a weird thing for me to say. Nope. That's what we like. Okay. In Germany, uh, there's such a thing called the Nachseher. <laughs> uh. Now, the Nachseher... Uh, does actually not rise from the grave, but stays in the grave and chews on the burial shroud, but he harms or she harms the living through sympathetic magic. So they believed that these were like vampires that were still like in the ground, but affecting the living sure. from there. And they believed that this was happening because when they would disinter them, they would see that the shroud had been chewed on. I know. I know. I see you rolling your eyes. I understand your frustration. All right. I'm about to jump into Asia and there's a lot. Okay. Are we good with time? Do you think? Should we just keep going? Oh, uh, whatever you, whatever you think is the right. We're going to do it. Asia. <laughs> Hi Asia. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Your culture is so rich and I love what we're about to do here. Vampires have appeared in Japanese cinema since the 1950s. The Nuki Kuba uh, is a being whose head and neck detach from its body to fly about seeking human prey at night. Legends of female vampire-like beings who can detach body, parts of their upper body also occur in the Philippines, Malaysia, and Indonesia. Asia... 
Thank you for being so creative with your monsters. Yeah, right? I freaking love it. Um, let's keep going. The men I like drew- there's a, there, there's can fly. Oh, wait. Ours can turn into bats. Some of ours can turn into bats, yes. I forgot that. That's a thing. Huh. Uh, that comes in the modern, yes, time. And the lore, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Matt Mandarugo. <laughs> You're is, like, Matt Damon. Matt Damon is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Which you would know if you saw Goodwill Hunting. Keep up. He's just sucking your soul with all of those terrible <sighs> movies that he makes. Yeah. Just kidding, Matt Damon. You're a national treasure. I guess. Sort of. Um, I don't care for you. I don't know about the people you associate with your yourself with. Mm-hmm. We're looking at you, Afflecks. The both. Maybe just the one. I don't know anything. I don't know them. I only know what I'm being told by I the media. I know the allegations. We, we know, know the stories. We've heard. Yeah. We're looking at you, one of the Afflecks. <laughs> um. Now look at each other and fight it to the death. <laughs> uh, no, I like Matt Damon. The Martian is an excellent film. I didn't see it. Oh, it's very good. Yeah. Well, it's not going to get me to see it. My brother is obsessed with that book and movie. Oh. It's very good. Anyway, the Van Durugo is a variety of the a swan that takes the form of an attractive girl by day and develop wings and a long, hollow, spread-like tongue by night. Yes. The tongue is used to suck up blood from a sleeping victim. Okay. Um, here's another one. So uh, here's the thing about um, a lot of Asian, uh, the Asian mythos around like monsters and uh, paranormal beings. They're often female. Godzilla, lady. Is she? She's the lady. How do you know that? Because I love Godzilla. No, I said I didn't know that. Oh, I thought you said, how do you know that? Because I've seen (laughs) most of the Godzilla movies. Because when you were spaying and neutering uh, Godzilla, you got a chance to look. Yeah. Lady. (laughs) All lady parts. Spay and neuter your pets. (laughs) Please, please. Control the pet population. Do we what? Bob Barker, uh, famed... um, it's important. Sexual harasser used to try to ask us to do. It's important. I have a lot of uh, stray cats in my neighborhood, and I worry about them very yeah, much. Yeah, cared a lot about spaying and neutering, and not a lot about uh, touching the women on the buttocks. No, kissing on the lips. Lips little... and buttocks. Yep. Not okay, Bob Barker. <laughs> anyway, he's still with us. Come on down. <laughs> Control the pet population. Spay and neuter your pets. All right. The uh, Mananangal, I pronounced that correctly, by the way, everybody. Mm-hmm. Sounds is right. described as being an older, beautiful woman capable of severing its upper torso in order to fly into the night yeah, with huge bat-like wings and prey on unsuspecting sleeping pregnant women in their homes. Oh. They use elongated pro- uh, proboscis-like tongue tongues to stick up, to suck fetuses from the, the pregnant women. It's kind of nasty. It's very, very nasty. They've got to get down there and... It's awful. So they, they are having, yep, <laughs> don't just, you yep. have to talk about it. You can't just, I'm just showing, <laughs> I'm showing Noelle my hands. Literally just showing where her, <laughs> I can't even say it. I know. Let's say, uh, are you trying to, was that, I don't know. Trying to show your vaginal canal? I guess. <laughs> they also prefer to eat entrails, specifically the heart and liver. And this is really gross. The phlegm of sick people. Oh, all right. In Malaysia, the Penangalal is a woman who obtained her beauty through the active use of black magic or unnatural means and is most commonly described in local folklore to be dark or demonic in nature. She's able to detach her fanged head 
while which flies around in the night looking for blood, typically from pregnant women. You see the theme here. Um, the Malaysians also have, they would hang um, Jeruju, which is thistles, around the doors and windows of houses, hoping uh, that these fo- these ladies would not enter. Mm. Um, in uh, the Balinese folklore of Indonesia, uh, the, they, they have a similar being called the Layak, um, there is in, uh, also in Indonesia and in Malaysia, they have, um, creatures or women, I guess, who died during childbirth and became undead seeking revenge and terrorizing villages. They appear as a, an attractive woman with long black hair that covered a hole in the back of her neck Ugh. with which she sucked the blood of children. Filling the hole with her hair would drive her off. Um, corpses often had their mouths filled with glass beads, eggs under each armpit, and needles in the palm, in their palms to prevent them from becoming uh, the lang sewer, which is uh, the name that they use in Malaysia. Huh. Yeah. Um, finally, um, in China, Chinese vampires are uh, called Jiangxi. Um, they're reanimated corpses that hop around killing living creatures to absorb their life essence. Um, they're said to be created when a person's soul fails to leave the deceased body. They usually uh, are represented as mindless creatures with no independent thought. They have greenish white furry skin, perhaps derived from fungus or mold while growing on their corpses. Um, and they've inspired a, a genre of films in Hong Kong and East Asia, one of them is, or there are a couple of them, uh, Encounters of the Spooky Kind and Mr. Vampire oh. were released in the 80s and 90s. Encounters um, of the Spooky Kind. Yeah. I'm I gonna like che- that. I'm going to check that out. All right. Now we're, we're into modern day, finally, everybody. Hey! Oh! Now, as we've talked about quite a bit, modern vampires, they're suave, they're charismatic, Yes. They're sexy. Yes. Everybody wants some. Yes. Uh, these days, there are still occasional vampire sightings reported. Really? Yeah. Um, By whom now? People. Okay. Well, then, you've you you got to take that as truth. People report them. <laughs> there are vampire hunting societies still in existence. That's dumb. But they're mostly formed for social regions, reasons. Uh-huh. Um... However, in 2002 and early 2003, allegations of vampire attacks swept through Malawi. (laughs) Mobs stoned one person to death and attacked at least four others, including the governor, Eric Chihuahua, um, based on the belief that the government was colluding with vampires. Malawi. Come on, you guys. Um, Were they proved wrong? I don't know. Inconclusive. We don't know. So, do, have there been any other vampire attacks since then? Not that I know of. That's right. They got the last. So, I mean, you do the math. Uh-huh. Four plus one plus one plus one. No. Two plus one plus <laughs> one plus two? No. That's from Claire. I know. Okay. <laughs> I love that you did that just now. Um, That was awesome. All right. Now, in the early 1970s. 
Local press spread rumors that a vampire haunted Highgate Cemetery in London. Oh, Highgate, yeah. Amateur vampire hunters flocked in a large number to the cemetery. Uh, several books have been written about the case, uh, notably by a man by the name of Sean Manchester, who was a local man who was among the first to suggest the existence of the Highgate vampire and who later claimed to have exercised and destroyed a whole nest of vampires in the area. Oh, God. Sean. <laughs> Sean Manchester. Um, in July, January of 2005, rumors circulated that an attacker had bitten a number of people in Birmingham, England, uh, feeling concerns about a vampire roaming the streets. Local police stated that no such crime had been reported and that the case appears to be an urban legend. <gasps> what? 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 Now, in 2006, a physics professor at the University of Central Florida wrote a paper arguing... <laughs> Which is an oxymoron. <laughs> oh, ouch. I can't... I can't say. Ooh, this just got uncomfortable. Well, <laughs> he... Joke. You're going to like this, though. Okay. He wrote a report that it's what, that mathematically can... impossible for vampires to exist based on geometric progression. Um, he's saying that if the first vampire appeared in, on the 1st of January in 1600 and it fed once a month, which is less often than what is depicted in films and folklore, every victim turned into uh, then and every victim turned into a vampire. Then within two and a half years, the entire human population of the time would have become vampires. Oh, okay. Mike, a giraffe. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know that, that I don't, I haven't seen the math. I don't think that that mathematically. I, proves... I, I just like that. He was like, I have to dispel these, all of these vampire yes, theories yes. in 2006. Yeah. We're but... looking at a pandemic here. Well, it's the university of central Florida, but it's, that's true. We did have, we just, we did have a kid uh, eat off a man's face from bath salts recently. And everybody freaked out and thought he was a zombie. So yeah. Um, but here's what I was going to say about that. That is to assume, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions being made that one, if you're going into math, math is sort of an exact, it's not sort of, it's an exacting, it, it's an equation. So it has to, it has to level itself out. Right. So you would have to take into account that maybe there was a victim that the vampire was keeping alive. We've heard a lot about that Yes. in our lore where like, um, you can feed on somebody and not kill them. Right. So that happens. Also, like, the myth of the humane right. vampire has always persisted because I think it feeds into the, like, vampires are sexy notion that there's, like, always that vampire antihero who, um, like, in Anne Rice's interview with a the vampire, they'll only eat rats or they right. try to subsist on uh, animal blood or they have some type of conscience, so they yes. don't want to. Yes. Um, and then there's others, um, you know, that will kill willy nilly. But I feel like to suggest that there's some sort of mathematical equation is, is just sort of um, would take some mathematical gymnastics and also a little bit of hubris. But I get it. This guy read wrote a paper and he got paid to do this. I just want to make a point of that by the Catholic Church. By the University of Central Florida. Oh. <laughs> of course they pay you to write papers in Florida. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, Florida. No, come at me. We don't care. All right, let's keep going. Um, in any other school, it'd be like, 
you have to turn in a paper. And they're, they're like, Florida. We'll pay, we'll pay for your paper. <laughs> <laughs> Could you write one about vampires? I think oh. it'd make people interested in coming to school here. <laughs> so in Europe, Okay. In small in small villages, uh, the beliefs of vampires are pretty rampant, and sightings or claims still happen. Sure, they do on the regular. On the reg. In Romania, uh, during February of 2004, several relatives of Toma Petra feared that he had become a vampire. They dug up his corpse, tore out his heart burned it, and mixed the ashes with water in order to drink it. Ugh. Guys. That was 14 years ago. Uh-huh. That's not that long ago. Uh-uh. That's during your lifetime. I mean, at least ours. Also, if you're 14 and you're listening to this. Turn it off. Um, I mean, consult with your folks first. first. Turn it off. All right. In September. Here we go. Turn off, like, explicitly right now. <laughs> Fuckity fuck, fuck. Guess what? We're going back to Malawi. In September and October of 2017, mob violence in Malawi related to a vampire scare killed about six people accused of being vampires. All right. Um, and, of course, today in modern society, vampirism, when the vampire lifestyle uh, is... Wait, we're, really, we're doing vampire lifestyle? Yeah, it definitely represents a part of uh, occultist movements. Uh-huh. Now, let's talk a little bit... I'm, I'm, I, I want to get into the pathology I, I can I, I can do this I can I can you got the Schmidt well I'm I'm concerned about time but we're gonna do it quickly hunker down um so I won't say a word of course we know there was some premature prema- oh my god premature burial at times hmm. so people would hear you know and we we fixed that by putting bells in coffins <laughs> <laughs> um, saved by the bell uh but they would hear sounds um, or screams from the ground, um, which often can be explained as just being gases being yes. released and things like that. Uh, and sometimes people would, when they were dug up, they would see scratch marks in the coffin showing attempts to escape. Um, there were other cases where the person would hit their heads and their noses or faces would appear to um to look like they had been feeding. Um, so this is actually if like in the cases where people were buried alive. Um, and then they were like, Oh, vampire. And it's like, no, you buried me alive. (laughs) Um, (sighs) but the problem with this too is also the question is how long were these people actually able to stay alive if they were buried alive without really have like any type of like food, water or fresh air doubt. So uh, it's like a lot of this again is like mythology. Yeah. I think the numbers of, of this actually happening is limited. It's slim. And, and plus so, considering that people would like <laughs> leave you in their home for like the whole world to parade through. Right. Well, and the one thing we didn't talk about earlier um, is that when talking about looking at these bodies that appeared to be um, well-fed and purplish and whatever, is that the reality is that 
we weren't they weren't using formaldehyde or oh, yeah, for sure. to decom or to they weren't clearing the body out of the fluid of their fluids. Sure. They weren't putting in the formaldehyde. Thank God. To, right. I don't think we should do it now. No, to be honest with it's, you. It's, it's terrible. It's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. No. But let's figure out a better way. But what was happening was that their bodies were naturally deep, naturally decomposing. Yeah, the body your, bloats. Your body bloats. Your fluids expel from your body. Yep. It was a natural thing. It's but pretty we disgusting. Didn't, it's very disgusting. But people didn't what understand be like, that. Like, um, cause you and I, we, you know, we know about the science of, uh, forensics. Um, cause we did the CSI event in Las Vegas, but, um, I mean, to me, it seems that people, again, this is like foolish folklore. They would be like, Oh, the body, the body that has flies coming from it or the body with maggots is a vampire. Right. And you're like, why? No. Why do, is, like all bodies do this? This is a natural occurrence. All bodies excrete all bodies. Um, um, that was like the myth of, um, talking to mm-hmm. where like, like the, the bodies were set after several days, like, uh, to somehow like talk. Cause they would, there would be a deep breath and they'd be like, <sighs> right. And it's the gas. Like, what are you trying to say? And it's like, they're not trying to say anything. It's like the lips opened and the gas escaped. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we know this all now, but I'm sure at this time, oh, horrifying. it's horrifying Yeah, and there's gotta be some type of witchcraft or, you know, Satanism associated <laughs> with yeah. it, like some type of black magic. Um, <clears throat> so, but the reality is that it's just the, the natural process. Um, but another likely cause for the tombs being in some type of disarray or disorder is grave robbery, which was also oh, rampant yeah. at the time. Yeah, for sure. Um, there are other things like, uh, rabies was linked to, <laughs> yeah. to, uh, the folklore. So, um, uh, the susceptibility to garlic and light, um, is a, a symptom of rabies. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it also affects portions of the brain that could lead to the disturbance of normal sleep patterns. Of course. And yeah. hypersexuality. Um, legend once said that it, a man was not rabid if he could not look at his own reflection. So wolves huh. and bats, um, which are often associated with vampires, are carriers of rabies. And the disease can also lead up, uh, lead one to drive or lead one to bite others um, and to a bloody frothing at the mouth. Yes. So these are There we go, everybody. So y'all got rabies. Get your shot. You get your rabies. Get your shot. Um, There are other, you know, like other monsters, and I hate to say it this way, but like um, there's always some type of like social commentary or political overtone, like, uh, we all know that Night of the Living Dead, which is about zombies, was written as a social commentary about the current political state. Um, the aristocrat Count Dracula, sitting alone in his castle, who's apart from you know the the rest of the world, appearing only at night to feed on his pre- peasantry, is um, symbolic of the uh, parasitic Asian regime. So in this, uh, in his entry for vampires in the Dictionnaire Philosophique, 
by Voltaire, he notices how the mid-18th century coincided with the decline of folkloric belief in the existence of vampires, but now they were stock jobbers, brokers, and men of business who sucked the blood of people in broad daylight, but were not dead, though corrupted. Um. These true suckers lived not in cemeteries, but in very agreeable places. Marx defined capital as dead labor, which vampire-like lives only by sucking living labor and lives the more, the more labor it sucks. Huh. And Werner Herzog, in Verns. his, we love Werner. Thanks for listening, Vern. His, uh, I love him. Uh, his Nosferatu, the vampire, gives the po- this political interpretation an extra ironic twist when protagonist Jonathan Harker, a middle-class solicitor, becomes the next vampire. In this way, the capitalist bourgeois becomes the next parasitic class. So we see this a lot in, in modern-day vampires, is that, like we said before, interview with a vampire, Bram Stoker, um, they're... they're is a hierarchy of vampires and they're definitely more aristocratic. They, um, have this wealth that we don't quite understand and we don't know where it comes from, but they live this high society life and it's very exclusive. Yep. And it's very interesting. Um, okay. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this all very quickly. Um, in the last 100 years, there have been, um, a few serial killers that have been associated with serial uh, uh, vampires. Uh, no, you, you're close. It's, they have, they have a similar appearance. Oh. One of them is Peter Curtin, okay. who is a, a German um, serial killer who started. He, I think, I think my favorite murder did Peter Curtin. Peter Curtin started killing in Germany and he was actually convicted and then released. And then he came to the U.S. Ugh. He went to California. Of course. And killed some more and was indicted again. Uh, look him up. And then there's Richard Chase. Oh, okay. Who is who you're thinking of, who was also in California. And Richard Chase is a very disturbing case. Um, both, both men were discovered drinking the blood of the people that they murdered. Um, also in 1932, there's an unsolved murder case in Stockholm, Sweden that was nicknamed the vampire murder because the circumstance, because of the circumstances of the victim's death. I didn't dive too much into it and for the sake of time, I'll let you all do that. Um, and then, uh, going further back in time, the, um, Late 16th century Hungarian countess and mass murderer (laughs) Elizabeth Bathory became um, famous uh, due to bathing in her victim's blood in order to retain her beauty or youth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in the 1960s, there was the Highgate Panic. (laughs) I was going to be like... Elizabeth Taylor, also known to bathe in the blood of teenagers. <laughs> we see you, Elizabeth. We see you, RIP. Um, so I brought up I brought up Highgate yeah, before. I brought up the Highgate Cemetery before and Sean Manchester. Now, I'm going to go into this a little bit more. Now, uh, newspapers reported that there was a tall figure with burning eyes and other spectral sightings floating, and they referred to it as the King Vampire practicing black magic 
that he studied in Romania. <laughs> okay. It was clearly the work of an Eastern European vampire. They made that very clear. Um, Sean Manchester said he was going to perform an exorcism in 1970. Hundreds of people turned out for this. He did not perform the exorcism. Why? Because Sean Man- Manchester... <laughs> was a charlatan and a fraud? Is a fraud. Now, all of this can be explained, sort of, by a condition called hemotamia. Hemotamia um, is the needing, it's the, the body craving um, a, a blood. No, specifically hame, which is an iron based. Uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? Part of your blood, basically. It's an iron. It's it's iron. It's an iron deficiency. Ah. There's no known cause for this. Um, it's described as ha- having an intense thirst-like sensation, um, and an addiction with w- withdrawal symptoms. Um, animal blood and rare steaks may act as substitutes. Um, now there is actually, uh, there are actually several people in the world and the U S that, uh, consider themselves to be vampires who suffer from hamotamia or, or they claim to suffer that from this. Now, some of these folks consider themselves to be blood vampires. Some of them are psychic or energy vampires who just drain the life force and energies from others. I don't know exactly how they do it. The blood vampires do it through, um, often some type of, of sterile, like, uh, uh, poking. I don't know what you're doing with your hands. I know. Sorry. They do it often through a finger prick where it's a sterile, it's a sterile, um, I can't think of the word right now. Prick of the finger, and then they suck the blood from people's uh, fingers. They'll sometimes do an incision, and they will uh, get the blood uh, through another sterile device. But it's very... Did you just slash your femoral artery? I did. I did. Okay. It's all very clean. Tell the people what you're doing. Because um, <laughs> I can see you. I know. <laughs> so here's the thing. Vampirism, not illegal. Um, however... Murder is illegal. Uh, hey, murder is illegal. Murder and assault. But so they're if not. If you're a vampire, if you suffer from hematemia. They're but they're not killing people. They're just they have donors. Yeah. Who are? But I'm just saying, like if you if you're the vampire that attacks, right? That would be against the law. Right. I read an article. But um, acting a fool and getting donations is not. I mean, you know, we've seen Kickstarter. There's a whole subworld of all this stuff. Sure. In the in the U.S. Sexual and in other yeah. Um. So. This is not classified as um, any type of psychological disorder in the DSM either. It's not? No. Huh. So here's the problem. Did they just not bother because it just is self-evident? <sighs> well, here's the problem. Like, So I actually read a really good article um, in The Guardian uh, about this. And um, the the main subject of the article was like, he's like, I'm a regular guy who has a regular job and a family but this is a thing that, like, I uh-huh. crave blood occasionally. And so one could My say... My favorite thing about that, though, is, like, if you're a regular person, I will say this. You and I have hung out for hours tonight. And I think a lot in real life. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've started a sentence 
and then started the next sentence with, well, as a normal person, <laughs> and then I said something fucking crazy. And right. my next thing was like, I'm just a normal person. Well, here, here, let me, Jay, give me a, a moment to read this to you okay. from that article, which is called Interview from a Real Life Vampire, Why, Why Drinking Blood Isn't Like Hollywood, from theguardian.com. Um, from, uh, this is a poem. Oh. From a real vampire really, dude? Oh. by the name of D.J. Williams, who wrote a study that was published uh, for Idaho State University. Here, <laughs> Affiliated with the University of Central Florida. Here's the poem. Would I be comfortable disclosing my vampire identity? No, I would never do that. It would detract from real issues for which I was seeking treatment. I have no desire to be classified as delusional, immature, or a threat to public safety. Social workers, psychologists, and counselors should listen and be open. They need to know more about spiritual things and not immediately jump to treating a disorder. For us, vampirism is normal. Okay, first of all, is that a poem? No. I mean, just think to yourself about that structurally. It doesn't have to really, obviously poems don't have to rhyme, but structurally it doesn't seem like a poem. It just seems like... uh, It's a statement. Yeah, it's definitely it's a statement similar. broken up in a weird way. So it's broken up to look like a poem. Yeah, for all of us, for all of us out there who actually are literary minded, like d- don't get it twisted. That ain't a poem. Second of all, my favorite thing about this is um, basically anyone who's there to help. Um, so sociologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and social workers learn more. I mean, these are right. I don't know. This reminds me of like whenever Scientology bags on people in the medical health profession. And it's like, yeah, of course they're going to say, uh, you fine. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to say good. They're going to be like, you're being, you're, you're, this is, you gotta, you gotta think this through and help yourself. Right. Yeah. So if, I, if, I don't know, if this dude man handed me this vampire poem, I'd be like, all right, cool. Do better. Write an actual poem. <laughs> all right. No, I'm not done with these real life vampires, uh, there, the, the main subject of the article was a gentleman by the name of Murticus, 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 Murticus. I don't know. I can't see your shit. <laughs> Murticus is his name. Um, this is a direct quote. Murticus does not deny the inherently predatory nature of vampirism. He insists that an overwhelming majority that adhere to ethical and safe feeding practices are of soul, mind, and judgment and productively contribute to society. Yeah. <laughs> does he insist that? Thoughts? That's... I mean... Let's just keep moving on. Yeah, let's keep All moving right. on. Murticus. Now, these folks are very concerned with the health of those they feed from. Um, they uh, ostracize, quote-unquote, rogues from feeding, or for feeding irresponsibly, uh, which I would assume just means, like, attacking people. Right. And, and biting their necks. Um, <laughs> Instead of, like, making someone, like, suffer through, like, right. a bunch of blood tests. Yeah, no, they they do test them and they like they make should. sure that they're clean. I would. I mean, you have to. Um, we just learned that there's a chlamydia outbreak of koalas uh-huh. in in Australia. Thanks, John Oliver, for saving them. Um, Thank you, Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe. 
Atlanta's Vampire Alliance features a chapter on animal welfare advising against feeding from animals. So they're socially conscious, everyone. Yeah. Uh, in 19- so from 2006, <laughs> celebrating the vegan vampire. Yes, plant-based lifestyle. Uh, <clears throat> except for that human blood. Plus human blood. Plus human blood. For the iron. Um, in uh, 2000, From 2006 to 2014, there was a study of 950 participants who claimed to be a vampires. Um, <clears throat> and it was found that uh, these folks have a larger than normal occurrences of ailments such as asthma, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and endocrine disorders. Now, I will, I will say this from this article that I read about these folks. Um, they all claimed that they would prefer to not use the term vampire <laughs> and that it's an unfortunate term because of the association stigma. and the stigma associated sure. with it. So there is that. What would they like to be called? Uh, blood drinking. I think they want like to focus on the hematomia part of it. Um, boo. Yeah. Sorry guys. Um, I also watched a really amazing video on national geographic of an annual vampire ball that happens in Philadelphia and it featured these two women, one of them who claims to be a vampire, and her friend who was her donor. And it was awesome. Like, basically, they go to... It's a goth party. Yeah. And the, what was awesome about it was the National Geographic writing and the um, narration. So serious. Because it was so dry. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight, we will go to the vampire party. This is Sadie. She's a vampire <laughs> and a dental hygienist. <laughs> and and like, then she starts every sentence with, as a normal person. <laughs> so, uh, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then they went back to the hotel room where they were staying and she took, it's a lancet. That is the word that I'm looking for. She took a lancet, uh, which is used to prick fingers and she poked this, her donor's finger and just kept like sucking blood from her. And it was very sexualized. Well, and she kept saying how, like at the end she was like, I really want more. And she had this like euphoric look on her face. I want more, but she was like, but there are more days. And she had prefaced it when she started that she hadn't quote unquote fed for a month. So it was, it was very interesting. Yeah. That's just a sex fetish. But, but for her, it felt more like a fetish where these folks, based on what I read, it seemed like they might have some type of deficiency and it's possible they have an iron deficiency, but they're just not treating it correctly. I have an iron deficiency. I take iron pills. Right. Hey, it's called anemia. Get it together. All right. Now, um, in my notes, I, I say, at this point, I would reference all the media, but instead, this is my list in order of what you should watch slash read. Here we go. Some of these I might maybe change a little bit, but this, because let me preface it by saying this. There's a lot of really shitty vampire stuff out there, you guys. There's so much. 
So this is this is Noelle's recommendation <laughs> of vampire books and movies books. and graphic <laughs> novels that I want you to read. Number one, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, seasons one through seven, and comic books. They're comic books? They're comic books. Oh, Lord. I mean, you can probably stop after the first season of the comic book. Number two, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the book. <laughs> Not the movie with uh, the movie's Keanu. Fine. The movie's fine. Number really? three. It is? It's fine. It's, it is? It's fine. Winona Ryder. Ugh. Uh, what's his face is in it? He plays Dracula. Uh, side buns. Side buns. Number three, <laughs> Salem's Lot, the book. Don't waste your time on the movie. It's terrible. Is that a Stephen King? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that might be, that's probably like my first favorite book ever. Salem's Lot? It, yeah. I read okay. it when I was in sure. high school and yeah. it was like my first favorite book. Sure. Uh, other than Go Dog Go, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> As the only other book you read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Up until that point, I didn't know books. It helped you prepare for uh, Stephen King. Number limited four, vocabulary. Dracula featuring Bella Lugosi. Oh. Um, Dracula. <clears throat> yes. Uh, followed by uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, What We Do in the Shadows is a newer, it's a mockumentary with Jemaine, uh from Flight of the Concords. Oh, sure, yeah. Jemaine, I can't think of his name. Wonderful. So good. Followed by Interview with a Vampire. Book and movie. Yeah. Little this, Kiki Dunst as a, as a child actor. Yes. Kirsten Dunst for those who don't know. Yeah. And I don't know why you wouldn't know. This one might be controversial, but I stand by this. Blade. So good. That's the Wesley Snipes? Yes. Yeah, sure. Followed by Lost Boys. Yeah. Well, yes. I don't know why that wasn't number one. <laughs> I love Lost no I love I, some Lost God, Boys. God, dude. Everyone loves Lost Boys. Nightwatch, which is Russian. Uh, Nightwatch and Daywatch is the uh, counterpart. Not to be confused with Baywatch, which is <laughs> the Pamela Anderson vampire vehicle of the late 1990s. Stop it, Pamela. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she appeared only at night on a beach. <laughs> Running Stop in her running. <laughs> Angel, the spinoff of Buffy. Oh my god, that's amazing. What is that, number 17? Uh, this is like number 10. Oh, I thought it was just funny that Buffy was number one and you're like, Angel. An- oh, Making I, its way all I'm, the way down. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you like a very good list. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Yes. Book and movie. Yes. Movie's really good. Um, the Hammer Films Dracula featuring Christopher Lee. Oh, I love Christopher Lee. Yeah. Hammer Films. If you're not familiar with Hammer Films and you like horror movies, Hammer Films, uh, Hammer is the British horror schlock, uh, schlock that came out in the 60s. 60s yeah. And there's, there's some not so good stuff in there. Very it influenced uh, John Waters a lot. Yes. It's very schlocky. It's yep. very campy. Also a lot of fun really good stuff. It low budget stuff, but they did some really good stuff. Um, Christopher Lee was their big actor at the time. So what an amazing voice Christopher Lee had. Incredible. Recently, uh, deceased last year, I think year, year or two. It's been an old man for a long time. Um, but Christopher Lee was kind of Christopher Lee and, um, uh, Peter Cushing did a lot of hammer film stuff. Not to be confused with Peter Cushing. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who you mentioned before as a perhaps somebody with a major problem. <laughs> perhaps. Uh, Fright Night, the original. The new one with uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Fur. No. No, it's got to be Farrell. I really Colin, don't see Fur. Colin, Colin Farrell. It's fine. But it the original. Seem like a fur. The original is what you want. Uh, Nosferatu. Yeah. Has original, the original and and movie about sub the subject of Shadow of a Vampire, which is a movie about Nosferatu Starring featuring Mr. Willem Dafoe. Yep. Excellent. And John Malkovich. I was going to say Mr. John Malkovich, but you went to. Oh, I went to Willem Dafoe. Dafoe first. Well, he's from Milwaukee, so. Sure. You got to Dafoe it up when you can. I got to Dafoe. Uh, once you, bit- do, you have, wait, hold on. You have a little Dafoe on your face. Can I get that off? Okay. No, it's on the left. To the left? <laughs> Perfect. Where's my left? No, it's on the right. Okay. Where's my nose? There you um, go. Yeah. Once Bitten, starring Jim Carrey. What a great movie. And Lauren Hutton. Lauren Hutton. Lauren yeah. Hutton. She is... plays a hot old predator. Oh, she's so good. And finally. Unt Finale. True Blood. And in parentheses, I put, this is questionable. Oh, no, the books. <laughs> the books are questionable. The show, the first season, wonderful. The, both of them are questionable. <laughs> it's questionable. But give it a try. Oh, if, my God. Yeah. We true-blooded up so hard. We had some time with Sucky Sackhouse. Dude, we read the... Ugh, we'd hand those novels back and forth as if we were handing, like, dirty secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we both quit. I was like, I've never read Smut before, but I think this might be what it is. <laughs> I felt... So many times, like, like really like a dirty birdie. It made me feel so good. I'd be on the train, and I'd be reading this book that was, like, all bedazzled on the outside. It, like, legit took a day to read, by the way, too. So yeah. we would just hand these back and forth. But they were all, like, I bought, like, the six-pack, the original six-pack. Yep. And they all were, like, sparkled and bedazzled on the outside. And Charlotte I would be, like, so embarrassed. To be sitting on the train reading oh this God. because I'd be, first of all, I'd be holding a sparkle book. <laughs> and, and then, then the way she would talk about like erections and very right. magic. Like, all this like weird stuff. Oh like, my God, Jason and the Panthers. The Panthers and like <laughs> the, the tiger, the wear tiger, like taking her up on the washing machine. Ugh. And I remember being on the train one day going to work and blushing. Oh my God, I blushed Because so of the hard, way yeah. she described it. And I'm like, nobody can know I'm reading this book on the train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kept hiding it all the time. Oh, Charlene, what you do to us. <laughs> and then we gave it up. Because yeah. it got to be too much. Yeah, I actually don't think I got through, I think, the third season of uh, True Blood. Lafayette, dead. Oh, I finished it. Yeah. yeah. That actor passed recently, he too. Passed. So uh, that's everything you guys need to know about vampires. I'm just kidding. There's so much more. <laughs> um, so we've got another, like, two hours left, right? No? No. We're done. We're done here. Oh. We're done here. Maybe <sighs> we'll someday go do vampires part two, but I think that dig right back in. I think that we've done enough today and forever. Really. We never need to do this again. This one's for uh, mercy. What's her last name? For mercy Brown. This is for mercy Brown. Um, And really for her brother, whose name I don't know because mercy Brown's the one that they always talk about because she's the one that they, that uh, sacrifice or they mutilated her dead body, but her brother had to drink yeah. those ashes and that's horrible and horrible. and really there are probably tens of other people if not hundreds of others that also 
were subjected to that as well. Sure, it's not cool. No, it's miserable. So uh, this is for all of you folks that were um, unfortunately affected by a horrible disease and accused of being an evil, awful person. Totally. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to High Spirits. We really appreciate it. Always your listenership is uh, the most important thing to us. Um, we're sponsored by Booze Company. So, uh, Noelle Schmidt, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a Hope's End Red Blend. All hope ends here. Oh, my. And I'm drinking Daisy Cutter Pale Ale. It's just a beer I like uh, from Half Acre <laughs> Beer Company right here in uh, my hometown of Chicago. Thank you for uh, joining us and um, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Insta. Check us out on iTunes. Um, honestly, just check us out. Um, if you don't like what you hear, just uh, hate, listen, and then hate, tell a friend. Uh, Noel has one last disgusting thing to say to you. Sweet dreams.